Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mazes of his nightmare adventure. He had never seen this place before. He lay on the floor of an empty room. The shaft of sunlight that had aroused him entered through a crack in one of the tightly drawn blinds. There was dust and grime on the walls and cobweb clustered in the corners. In the silence, deserted room, the beating of his heart became audible. He struggled to a sitting posture. He gasped for breath. He knew it was very cold in here, but perspiration moistened his face. He could recall no such suffering as this since when a boy he had slipped from the crisis of a destructive fever had he been drugged but he had been with friends there was no motive what house was this was it like this room empty and deserted how had he come here for the first time he went through that dreadful process of trying to draw from the black pit useful memories he started recalling the strange voice and its warning for his shoes lay near by as though he might have dropped them carelessly when he had entered the room and stretched himself on the floor damp earth adhered to the soles the leather above was scratched then he thought that much is right i was in the woods what was i doing there that dim figure my imagination he suffered the agony of a man who realized that he has wandered unawares in strange places and retains no recollection of his actions, of his intentions. He went back to that last unclouded moment in the cafe with Maria Paredes and the stranger. Where had he gone after he had left them? He had looked at his watch. He had told himself he must catch the 1215 train. He must have gone from the restaurant proceeding automatically and caught the train. That would account for the sensation of motion in a swift vehicle, and perhaps there had been a taxi cab to the station. Doubtless in the woods near the Cedars, he had decided it was too late to go in or that it was wiser not to. He had answered to the necessity of sleeping somewhere. But why had he come here? Where, indeed, was he? At least he could answer that. He drew on his shoes a pair of patent leather pumps. He fumbled for his handkerchief, thinking he would brush the earth from them. He searched each of his pockets. His handkerchief was gone. No matter. He got to his feet, lurching for a moment dizzily. 
He glanced with distaste at his rumpled evening clothing. To hide it as far as possible, he buttoned his overcoat collar over his neck. On tiptoe, he approached the door and, with the emotion of a thief, opened it quietly. He sighed. The rest of the house was as empty as this room. The hall was thick with dust. The rear door by which he must have entered stood half open. The lock was broken and rusty. He commenced to understand. There was a deserted farmhouse less than two miles from the Cedars. Since he'd always known about it, it wasn't unusual he should have taken shelter there after deciding not to go in to his grandfather. He stepped through the doorway to the unkempt yard about whose tumbled fences the woods advanced thickly. He recognized the place. For some time he stood ashamed, yet fair enough to seek the cause of his experience in some mental unhealth deeper than any reaction from last night's folly. He glanced at his watch. It was after two o'clock. The mournful neighborhood, the growing chill in the air, the sullen sky urged him away. He walked down the road. Of course he couldn't go to the Cedars in this condition. He would return to his apartment in New York where he could bathe, change his clothes, recover from this feeling of physical ill, and remember perhaps something more. It wasn't far to the little village on the railroad, and at this hour there were plenty of trains. He hoped no one he knew would see him at the station. He smiled wearily. What difference did that make? He might as well face old Blackburn himself as he was. By this time the thing was done. The new will had been made. He was penniless and an outcast, but his furtive manner clung. He didn't want Catherine to see him like this. From the entrance of the village it was only a few steps to the station. Several carriages stood at the platform, testimony that a train was nearly due. He prayed that it would be for New York. He didn't want to wait around. He didn't want to risk Catherine's driving in on some errand. His mind, intent only on escaping prying eyes, was drawn by a man who stepped from behind a carriage and started across the railway in his direction, staring at him incredulously. His quick apprehension vanished. He couldn't recall that surprised face. There was no harm being seen, miserable as he was, dressed as he was, by this stranger. He looked at him closer. The man was plainly clothed. He had a small, sharp eyes. His hairless face was intricately wrinkled. His lips were thin, making a straight line. To avoid him, Bobby stepped aside, thinking he must be going past. But the stranger stopped and placed a firm hand on Bobby's shoulder. He spoke in a quick, authoritative voice. Certainly you are Mr. Robert Blackburn. For Bobby, in his nervous, bewildered condition, there was an ominous note in this surprise, this assurance, this peremptory greeting. What's amazing about that, he jerked out. The stranger's lips parted in a straight smile. Amazing, that's the word I was thinking of. Hope you might come in from New York. Seemed you were here all the time. That's a good one on me, a very good one. 
The beating of Bobby's heart was more pronounced than it had been in the deserted house. He asked himself why he should shrink from this stranger who had an air of threatening him. The answer lay in that black pit of last night and this morning. The man would tell him how. You mean, he asked with dry lips, that you've been looking for me? Who are you? Please take your hand off. The stranger's grasp tightened. Not so fast, Mr. Robert Blackburn. I dare say you haven't just now come from the Cedars. No, no, I'm on my way to New York. There's a train soon, I think. His voice trailed away. The stranger's straight smile widened. He commenced to laugh harshly and uncouthly. Sure, there's a train, but you don't want to take it. And why haven't you been at the Cedars? Grandpa's death grieve you too much to go near his body? Bobby drew back. The shock robbed him for a moment of the power to reason. Dead? The old man? How? The stranger's smile faded. Here it is nearly three o'clock in the afternoon and you're all dressed up for last night. That's lucky. Bobby couldn't meet the narrow eyes. Who are you? The stranger with his free hand threw back his coat lapel. My name's Howells. I'm the county detective. I'm on the case because your grandfather died very strangely. He was murdered, very cleverly murdered. Queerest case I've ever handled. What do you think? In his own ears, Bobby's voice sounded as remote and unreal as it had through the blackness last night. Why do you talk to me like this? Because I'll tell you I'm on the case and I want you to turn about and go straight to the Cedars. This is absurd. You mean you suspect you're placing me under arrest? The detective's straight smile returned. How we jump at conclusions. I'm simply telling you not to bother me with questions. I'm telling you to go straight to the Cedars where you'll stay. Understand? You'll stay there until you're wanted. Until you're wanted. The merciless repetition settled it for Bobby. He knew it would be dangerous to talk or argue. Moreover, he craved an opportunity to think, to probe farther into the black pit. He turned and walked away. When he reached the last houses, he glanced back. The detective remained in the middle of the road, staring after him with that straight and satisfied smile. Bobby walked on, his shaking hands tightly clenched, muttering to himself, I've got to remember. Good God, I've got to remember. It's the only way I can ever know he's not right, that I'm not a murderer. End of chapter 1, section 2 of The Abandoned Room